And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. A new VanCast to take you into the first weekend of summer. Although it may not feel like it here on the West Coast, although uh, some good news and some good weather I think is on the way, Drancer. But uh, when we talk about news, uh, we still don't know where the hubs are going to be. I kind of feel hubbed out. And I guess uh, here in Vancouver we are officially hubbed out. That was the news of the last 24 hours as we record this uh, on a Friday morning. Uh, we now know that uh, the NHL is not coming this way to resume its play. I think it's funny... In retrospect, J-Pat, like when I think back to the last two months in terms of the Vancouver Hub City bid, because I remember, and I distinctly remember, The Athletic ran an article, and it was Joe Smith, Craig Morgan, and Mike Russo sort of working together on it on the bona fides that various Hub Cities had. And so I ran it down just to help them out as to Vancouver's situation, and I realized, you know, there's four rinks within an hour drive of downtown, there's no NHL market with a COVID situation as contained as this one. And, you know, the facility itself has four permanent dressing rooms. They've occasionally built fifth and sixth auxiliary dressing rooms for various tournaments. They hosted the 2010 Olympics. They hosted the 2018, you know, uh, World Junior Championship. Or was it the 2019? Uh, anyway, I think it was whatever. It doesn't matter. Yes. <laughs> the point is they've hosted major multi-team hockey tournaments. So then I started asking around, and one thing that you know I think the Canucks bid did have going for it was that Park Hotel. And I remember coming back to my colleagues and saying, look, like when I think about this, I think Vancouver checks all the boxes you're looking for. Like It's got the hotels. It's got the, uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Vancouver emerged as a frontrunner here. And at the time... You know, all the people in the know, and this wasn't just my athletic colleagues, this was people I was checking with with the league, they were like, nah, you know what, it's going to be Edmonton. And so, you know, I think that Edmonton, if the league, in the league's mind, because of the pref, like, because of the newer facility, because of that better quality ice, because of the designated practice facility, I think Edmonton was the league's first choice. And then as things got down to brass tacks recently, I think the players' preference for Vancouver in addition to the fact that Vancouver, well, and British Columbia had fewer active cases in the province than Edmonton has itself as a city, you know, I think really sort of made Vancouver, put Vancouver to the top of the list. And, and it was interesting to watch it play out because it was like having exhausted all other options, right? And flirted with Vegas and L.A. County and an L.A. Live setup, despite, you know, massive case counts in, in both of those locations, right? Having considered Ohio, having considered Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, by the way, all actually makes 
some decent sense in terms of their caseload. Uh, after having exhausted all other options, it's like the NHL finally decided to prioritize the right thing, right? And that was sort of the health on the ground. Um, they come here and they get to talking. And, and kind of my understanding here is, you know, the disagreement is like the reaction on Twitter is to this deal falling apart. It's like the NHL is, you know, willfully putting player safety at risk here, right? And uh, from my understanding of it anyway, the NHL's protocols for a positive test in the bubble don't differ too much from the PGA. I know you're a bigger golf guy than me, but you saw who was the big name golfer? It was Kepka, right? Who withdrew on his own accord yes. from the yep. tournament this weekend. But he didn't have to based on the PGA rules because of a pairing mate, right? Had tested positive. Do I have the basics of that right? His caddy had tested positive. His caddy. Yeah. Right. And he so he withdrew voluntarily, but he didn't have to based on the PGA protocols, right? Yes. And so yep. but that's the point. Like the disagreement's not about you know, uh, a player can actively, you know, can test positive and, and continue to participate. Like that's not, no one thinks that's okay. The The question is what happens to teammates, trainers, coaches, etc. in the event of a positive test. And, you know, do they have to be isolated? Does the tournament get delayed? Or are they able to test negative and, and continue to participate? And considering the league's overall, you know, timeline here and and i think it's important to note that you know no one's saying this directly no one's going to say this directly but i do think the league's actions here don't make sense like seem befuddling if you don't understand that they're pretty intent on getting this season in before october because of fears about a second wave right like there's people who are talking about just just wait and come back in the fall like the league's concern and part of the incentive, like part of the reason they need to play here is I think there's a lot of skepticism about whether anyone's going to be able to play in the fall and we'll kind of see where this goes. But you know, the disagreement between the league and the NHL was ultimately narrow. It's amazing how supportive locally we are, even sports fans of the government's overall decision. I think that's a real credit uh, to some of the decisions they've made. And obviously they've earned the trust and leeway locally that you know what they say should probably go and if the nhl is looking for a different standard um you know i don't think there's a lot of fans even the diest the hardest core canucks fans in this market who are who are sad to see them go right i i thought it was a pretty mature and measured response so we know that canucks twitter can get up in arms and is generally looking for mm. a scapegoat somewhere uh quite often in the league offices if not there, uh, somewhere in the city of Boston. Uh, usually Boston's behind, you know, every decision that goes against Vancouver. <laughs> right. uh, but, yeah, but like Colin Campbell, right? How dare you? But, but this was a <laughs> this was a contest that a lot of people here didn't want Vancouver to win in the first place. So uh, you know, I think the yes. news the news was sort of met with a giant meh. You know, whatevs. Uh, you know, people want their totally. hockey back, but it didn't have to be here because, as we've said throughout, there really isn't anything in it for uh, the the average fan or the casual fan. You know, you've been pointing this out repeatedly that this thing is going to be played on a sound stage, essentially uh, wherever yes. they decide, and you know, you'll still get your hockey, but it doesn't have to be in Vancouver. Uh, and now we know that it, it's not going to be in Vancouver. So, you know, we'll sit and wait. Uh, again, I thought by now we would have a decision, but I also understand how fluid the situation is. So, uh, you know, it, it really does sound, as we record this on a Friday morning, that, you know, it's hour by hour. 
I know Pierre Lebrun has oh, said it could so come down at some point today. Uh, it may take through the weekend. So, you know, we'll, we'll I think we'll step back from... <laughs> this, is the worst, this has been the worst week, the worst story to cover because of how quickly it's changed, right? Like, Tuesday morning, there were people who were certain it was coming here. Like, really important people, both with the Canucks and the NHL. Like, they thought it was done. Uh, Wednesday, by Wednesday, it was completely... Everyone was completely shut down. No one was talking. And then, you know, the club proactively makes the makes the announcement on Thursday. I mean, you're right. Hour by hour is the right way to look at this. It is such a cluster, JPAT. And I wonder now, because I thought the league had nailed this, sort of keeping their options open while, you know, the NBA and the MLS sort of committed to Florida eight weeks ago. And that decision looks worse and worse by, by the minute. Um, but now, you know... It does feel like the league is maybe running out of time, maybe running out of safe spots to select as the hub. And, and clearly, I think they did lose their number one choice, and they lost it over a relatively minimal disagreement. And, you know, the provincial government, the provincial health authorities did kind of turn around and say, you guys aren't pl- planning to operate safely on their way out, like chided them a little bit. Right. And, you know, it was a it was a pretty interesting bit of political stagecraft, and I do think this was ultimately a, a political uh, judgment as well and you know we've worked hard for the safe relative normalcy that british columbians and vancouverites are enjoying at the moment and you know I, I do at the end of the day wonder because the disagreement was narrow it was played up a little bit yesterday i do sort of wonder if there was a political judgment that you know ultimately this is like a jamboree or a sideshow in the middle of a pandemic and considering what we've sacrificed over the past three months, what we've lost, uh, and what we now stand to gain over the next two, three months if ultimately it just wasn't worth the risk, uh, both to the local community but also to the political capital of, uh, of our leaders who've, you know, at the moment anyway, are seen credibly by <laughs> Vancouverites, by British Columbians as having done a better job than just about anyone else in North America shepherding us through this. Right. Like, Dr. Bonnie has, uh, you know, risen to prominence through this yeah, with, with this, you know, calm, front-facing uh, demeanor and just so effective. And then I loved yesterday, like, she kind of dropped the Bonnie bomb about, like, you guys should want to come here because of our rules. And uh, obviously that's not going to happen. But, uh, no, no. Hey, the decision's been made. No. And... and- just one thing. Yep. I do just want to note this one thing, which is that the NHL protocol, right, is not willy-nilly. Like, this is a pretty robust protocol that's very much in line with how the PGA is operating, how the Bundesliga is operating, how the EPL is operating, right? Like, at the 11th hour, you know, as they went through the details, the NHL asked the Canucks for something closer to the KBO model, which is not in line with how the pack operates in terms of professional sports that have returned to this point, right? So... You know, that's also sort of part of my judgment when I look at that and think, you know, was that was there a political calculus that like, you know, like like J-Pat, if I if I wanted the VanCast end but didn't want to say like I want the VanCast end, I'd just be like, well, we'll, we can keep doing it, but you got to pay me an extra 500 bucks to the athletic. Right. And they'd be like, no, (laughs) you know, like it does. I do sort of wonder if it was like a polite way of ending it by asking for something that you knew the other side wouldn't give you like like. Like, um, hey, and can you guys retain on Roberto Luongo's contract 20 minutes prior to the deadline, right? Like, that would be the prominent Canucks example. I, I do, as I've sort of talked to, to people 
as I've sort of begun to get a sense of this, as I've been kind of stunned by the the sort of fire that both Dr. Henry, Adrian Dix, and John Horgan were all sort of spitting yesterday, I do sort of wonder if part of what happened was that at the end of the day. And, um, you know, if it was, I mean, I think we still look at it and, and applaud the government for putting, you know, public safety first. And I think that's a pretty commonly... Sh- shared reaction in our circles and if our circles feel like that jpat the circles that care the most about hockey i think you can safely say that the general population agrees all right let's park hub talk (laughs) i'm sort of hub exhausted uh yes but we do know that like the canucks are gonna have training camp here in vancouver at least that seems to be the plan where a couple weeks back they were still exploring options but certainly sounds like there will be some hockey uh it'll just be the preamble to these games and then the canucks will have their camp here i just wonder have you talked to anybody in Florida? Uh, because I see, as we record this now, 8,900 new cases today. Like, oh, in a week 80, in which... Oh, my God. Right. So, are the Panthers... And, and, oh. Look, it was one week ago today, as we record, that Tampa shut down its facility uh, because there were a couple of cases. Do you know if the Lightning and the Panthers are planning to have their training camps in the state of Florida, or are they looking to move elsewhere? They they were last I heard and uh, and they oper- they were operating phase two this week so yes so they're the bringing, answer is yes they're bringing all their pl- I thought maybe they would try to find some place on the fly here to you know well, yeah. well for sure what what I'm interested in too JPAD is you've seen New York and New Jersey and some other states uh, now New Jersey wouldn't matter I guess but New York put in protocols matching the Canadian emergency right. quarantine law right yeah uh, that governs sort of hotspots. Uh, you know, I know Artemi Panarin's in Florida, right? Like, I, there's a lot of NHL players who are in Florida and who will be looking to return to training camps in places that have much less uh, widespread outbreaks at the moment um, and hope to be on the ice in 15 days, two weeks. So, you know, I'm, I am really curious to see how the Florida angle not impacts not just Tampa and, and the Panthers, but a variety of teams around the league who will have players returning from, you know, being out in public in Fort Lauderdale and in Naples and in Tampa Bay um, and in a variety of places that I'd be pretty nervous about. Hey, keep that Florida hat on for a sec because the NHL is going to get down to some business later on. uh, I I, I want to be clear to our audience, though. I'm not actually wearing a hat. No. Okay, fair enough. No logos. No logos on this podcast, J-Pat. Yes. (laughs) Your imaginary uh, Florida hat. Uh, I, I get pedantic early in the morning. Sorry, but your team. <laughs> let's just old Drance. Let's just go back with uh, yeah. old Drance, uh, a previous incarnation of Drance, uh, because right. the NHL is holding its draft lottery. And I know you were out of market the last few years, and certainly had uh, uh, the Florida Panthers' best interests at heart. But you know, this was a big day in the off season for hockey fans in Vancouver. Like the season ended in early April, and all people had to live mm-hmm. <laughs> really to you know to build towards was draft lottery day. And we know that the balls didn't bounce the way the Canucks wanted, but hey, they've done okay in the draft, uh, even up against those odds. But I want you to tell me a little bit about being in the room, because the draft lottery itself, <laughs> like there are a lot of people that still think that like when Bill Daly stands there on TV and just flips those cards, like that's the lottery and that somehow that this is, yeah. you know, the, the reveal and the lottery are one and the same. And that is so not the case. And the lottery itself is uh, it's uh, complicated. It's uh, intricate. Uh, it actually does involve ping pong balls. And 
Like, I don't, I, I don't think I know anybody else. So, of course, Drance is the guy I know that's been inside the room. And I remember <laughs> the league, well, after the fact, the league posted some, you know, kind of grainy, probably iPhone video of the actual yeah. draft lo- lottery itself uh, in this back room. And Gary has the newspapers of the day, like the hostage <laughs> thing, like to prove that, yeah. you know, this is actually happening here and now. And they scan the room and damn it, there you were, Drance. And I just about fell off my chair because, of course, you, you found your way in. But like, what a fascinating room to be in. It was a very weird room to be in, I will tell you. So um, let me let me. The Florida Panthers participated in the draft lottery three times during my tenure there, um, <laughs> which is great fun. And the draft lottery is the worst, like just the worst event at, from a PR perspective, from a PR guy perspective, especially in a market like Florida where, like, I'll get a nice bounce from the perspective of a Panthers PR guy. I'll get a nice bounce if we win, but if we don't, it's going to be pretty hard to get this covered. And... You know, we weren't a team with top odds. Like, this was not a Canucks-like situation when when we were heading to the draft lottery. And so it was tough to get people to go, generally speaking, right? Like, uh, you know, I got Dale once. I got Eric Joyce, who is the Panthers' assistant general manager, once. And I got Dale again. And every time it was like pulling teeth. And and the time we sent, you know, our, our assistant general manager, like, I swear I'd asked... 15 people in the organization <laughs> and then by the time by the time i got to the assistant general manager eric joyce he was like how many people have you asked and i was like uh <laughs> list them and he's just like what the fuck <laughs> are you seriously asking me at this point so um the, the draft lottery was a nightmare from that perspective the you know i, I I we always joked like I always joked about wanting to send our mascot right and then I loved seeing that I think it was the Kings actually like tried and I think that's the right call like there's nothing funnier than sad mascots like sad GMs is such an annoying thing to have to put your execs through you know the disappointed like oh damn <laughs> face just like uh, not a not a fun photo moment so the draft lottery itself takes place where you arrive and it's this room Uh, in the CBC HQ. So that's where the Hockey Night in Canada studio is. And you arrive, and it's GMs, PR guys, league PR, and Sportsnet talent, right? And then a variety of technical staff. But, like, that's the group that it is. And you go to a room, and J-Pat, the room has great catering. And, and, (laughs) And often, later in the evening, beers. And it's literally just people hockey people joking around with like brian burke or david amber or nick kiprios was there for a couple of the years john shannon uh elliot friedman and you sort of take the gms through the media gauntlet and on and on and then it comes time for the lottery now when it comes time for the lottery there's a nhl official who comes in and gives you the spiel you have two options for what you can do for the draft lottery and only one time it was the 2017 NHL draft lottery that I was in that room where it happens J Pat yeah um and it was the only time I would never go back because a we didn't win that lottery so there was no like luck reason that I had to and b you have to you like put your phone in an envelope you walk into that room and you have to put your phone away in an envelope because you're not allowed to have any contact with the outside world now that you know the results of the draft lottery an hour and a half before it's revealed to the public, um, there is some catering in that room. And in that room and on that particular year was uh, 
two owners, Andrew Barraway of the Arizona Coyotes, in addition to Francesco Aquilini himself, <laughs> the man, um, of, you know, smattering of PR guys, including, you know, the immortal, um, <laughs> like the immortal Colorado Avalanche PR guy whose name I just, it's Jean, escaping me right now. Jean Martineau. Jean Martineau. And so this is this like awkward sort of group. And one of my like vivid memories is there's this catering table in the middle and Jean Martineau is like the only guy who keeps going to it <laughs> and eating the catering. So it's like, like the scene is punctuated every five minutes with like the most don't give a fuck energy guy the the NHL has ever seen in Jean Martineau just like going and taking another <laughs> scoop of prosciutto. <laughs> um, and so then, uh, you know, it's like me, Scott Brown, who was the Winnipeg Jets PR guy at the time. And he was like, this room's the worst. I only am coming here because we won the Lion A lottery the year before, um, you know, and then just a handful of people. And then there's one reporter, there's one Sportsnet reporter or whomever, but one reporter a year who they embed in the room to oversee things and to make sure it all goes well. And so, you know, Gary's sort of like social butterflying and really Gary's main interest is in, you know, the owners, of course, right? Like literally his job is to keep these men happy. And, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Francesco was there after losing a few lotteries, right? To see how it worked, right? Like, he wanted to be in the room to see how it worked. Like, I genuinely think that's it. And so they pulled the lottery balls, and on this particular draft lottery, so what, 2017, so that's the PD draft. So Dallas comes kind of out of nowhere to get the third pick, right? Yeah. And then Philly wins it, which was a little bit off the board. No, New Jersey wins it. Philly was second. Yeah. Yeah. And New Jersey always seemed to do well in the draft lotteries when I was there. Like, New Jersey won last year, too, right? They were second or first. Uh, so, you know, I remember it was like New York versus, yeah, New, New Jersey won it. Yeah. New Jersey won it two of the three, three years. years that I was there. <laughs> so, yeah, and I remember it was New Jersey versus New York. Uh, like, for anyway, last year's, the, yes. For last year's. So, but I, I just, I, you know, I do remember Francesco um, being a little... Uh, disappointed I suppose and and Gary and Gary going over and he's like so you see like it's very official (laughs) so I I do I do have a good memory of that in particular and I was just sitting there like oh my god how long how long are you in the room like start to finish before they actually like like 90 minutes like exhausting (laughs) jpat do they replenish do do they replenish the uh, the snack tray that John Martineau's yeah. gone through? No, not really. Not really. Um, I think. I mean, there's a lot of it there. Like you, you, you honestly, you can't eat enough at this event. Like it's just not possible. It's it's a classic NHL event. There's like 18 different things, you know. Um, and so then the next year, the next year I went, I knew for sure uh, better than to go <laughs> into that room. Right? Like there was just no chance. That I was going into that room, and look, that was um, that was an interesting one. That was my last draft lottery with the team, and I sort of had a sense that I would be moving on. And so, you know, uh, we're not that I wasn't still working hard. Just like you know, I, I knew that probably that summer I, I was going to try and move on. And um, you know, I'd already had a couple conversations to that effect, and thought Vancouver was a pretty likely possibility for me. So, as I am in the draft 
sort of lottery waiting room or what have you, you know, Jim and, and Canucks PR, uh, Steph Martinego, uh, come in and obviously I'm, you know, look, I'm always happy to see Jim. Jim's the nicest guy, right? Like <laughs> if you have a problem with Jim, that's related to his performance as the executive of your favorite team. Fair enough. But there's not, it's, if you know him at all, it's not possible to have a problem with him as a guy. Like he's just a right. fantastic yeah. human being yep. who's genuinely agreeable and charming. And so, you know, the, they walk in, I'm always happy to see Jim chatted with him for a bit. And I just remember I'm sitting there watching the results and the, the, you know, the first results right to the last three. So, you know, who the last three are and the Canucks of, of course are, are picking 10th. And, um, and I just, I, you know, I do remember Jim walks back in and by this point I'm drinking a beer, right? Cause the Panthers have, once the Panthers do not win the draft lottery, I don't really have anything to do. Right. Like that's <laughs> like, great. You know, yeah. no one cares, you know, oversee a press release and move on with my life. Right. The, um, so I'm already having a beer by this point. And I, I do recall Jim coming and sitting down next to me. And he just looks over and he's like, can you believe our luck? I'm just like, nope. <laughs> no, I can't. It's been like this for 50 years. Um, so, you know, there's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, losing a draft lottery is always disappointing. And I do think everyone goes into the draft lottery, like, with visions. Like, every exec truly on their way there is has visions of, like, this is our year. You know, like, and that's fair enough. I mean, these are mostly former athletes and they don't really factor odds in you know they believe that they can will it um even though they know they can't and and so it is a weird event um it's a fascinating one to be at it was never my favorite thing to do or to work on especially because it just wasn't very high leverage for my club um when i was doing the job you know i think it was higher leverage for the canucks for a variety of years as you say and this year, I think they actually do have a chance to win it. They do have a chance for, for it to not be like, do you believe our luck? And the reason I think they have a chance is that they're not actually going to be in it. Like, the Canucks' best chance of ever winning a draft lottery here, J-Pad, is going to be as team, you know, as, as qualifying team F or H or what have you. Like, this is their best shot. You know, people talk and go back to 1970, j right? But it's like... What people forget is they didn't just lose the spin. They also lost the coin toss to decide which number to pick for the spin. Right. And then they lost the second spin for who gets the first or second pick in the expansion draft. Like, they lost all three <laughs> in their very first year. I mean, people forget this, but it's like this franchise is never going to win a lottery. Ever. Like, they're just not. That's not what this franchise is. They're the unlucky franchise. Like, that's the point of the Canucks. And so tonight... On Friday night for our listeners, Friday evening, they're going to have a chance to win a draft lottery that they're not actually in yet, and it's the only chance they'll ever have. And I, I you know, I'm, I feel very confident and strongly about that. In this year of 2020, where everything is, <laughs> where everything in the world is upside down, you watch one of these placeholders, placeholder H is going to rise up. But of course, if placeholder H rises up, you know, we won't know until after the play-in, because then there's going to have to be the second lottery. Uh, to determine, you know, where we go with those those top picks. So um, it's going to be wild. It's going to be fun. The NHL needs a little pop as far as, you know, all the markets beyond hub talk. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for all the things that we just said about Vancouver and how people have just been engrossed, like imagine Ottawa with two top picks and, and the high odds oh. after grabbing San Jose's uh, pick in the Eric Carlson deal. So uh, they will be watching... 
uh, enraptured, certainly, in uh, our nation's capital tonight. <laughs> yeah. A couple other quick ones, uh, just as we talked about. And again, I just love the fact, like, that's such a unique room to have been in. Like, whether it was the time <laughs> of your life, uh, I'm glad it was catered and they had some beer for you. Uh, but just to, yeah. to, to have that sort of in your experience bank, I love that. <laughs> Um, no, you know what? It's a good way to lead this conversation because I've for certainly never talked about that publicly. I've never thought – I barely thought about it. You know, like I, I haven't thought about that and how weird that experience is to be totally honest. Like I haven't had – I just haven't stopped and been like, that was weird. But you know what? That was really weird. <laughs> hey, speaking, <laughs> speaking of strange experiences through all of this, I, I saw you post a screen grab. We haven't talked about this. Did I see you doing a hit on the BBC about – yeah, all of this. Yeah, I, I did a return to play hit for a BBC documentary series made by uh, an old friend of mine named Seth, and Seth is a BBC World producer who, in the past, I've worked with. I helped him get Yager, and and getting Yager, uh, you know, is not like getting a normal player in a locker room. There's like a process, you know what I'm saying? And it's it's like t- taming a lion. And I really spent time, because it was BBC World and I knew it was international, like I really spent time helping him know how to be like a lion tamer who could get Yager to talk with him. So we've stayed in touch. He's a big hockey fan. Like he's a big hockey fan in England. Um, He's also a big soccer fan. We've just stayed in touch and he was making a documentary and and reached out to me to see see if I wanted to help out um, and talk about the NHL side a bit, which, uh, you know, I was more than happy to do. And, and yeah, it was really cool. It was cool to hear from my friends in the UK, too, who saw it on uh, on BBC News. Um, and just, you know, <laughs> like, hey, you were on my TV. Uh, it was quite nice. Well, that is wild, because a couple of weeks back, I had a former classmate of mine uh, at BCIT. Like, I went through the broadcast side. He was on the production, the technical side. Uh, and we haven't had any contact in 20-some years and out of the blue, he reached out to me on Instagram, and he works for the BBC. He's a producer, mm-hmm. travels the world. I'll have to see if he knows Seth. Um, but he and he says wherever he goes, he listens to the VanCast. Like he he reached out and wanted to let nice. me know that he's a he's from Vancouver. Wow. And he's a big VanCast listener, and so uh, he and I had uh, a little back and forth, and so a little shout out to him uh, here on the pod. Uh, one other thing. Because we didn't get a chance to follow up on this. I think it was last week. We were recording, and then you had to run because you had a date with those guys in Denver uh, to do the podcast. And I don't want to relitigate McCarr and Hughes, but I saw it was a video podcast, and it was like three against one. They teamed up on you, and the one guy was wearing an all-hail-kale t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was fun. Those DNV, uh, sorry, it was, and they're called DNVR Sports. They do a, that, that production, like the production value was pretty good, eh? It looked all right. I watched a, a little bit of I it. I was yeah. pretty impressed. And they had sponsors, and they were like, you know, the sponsors, one of them was like, they're like, for all your CBD coffee needs. Right? So I was <laughs> like, hey, boys, let me know if you ship that CBD coffee internationally here. Um, and then, and then there, and then the read continues, J Pat, it was like, it was like, uh, and for those of you who prefer your coffee without CBD, <laughs> like, what, what what is going on here? I was really I was really impressed with their production value, and you know I, I thought they heard me out. I thought they I thought I was able to win them over a little bit. I, okay. I had some Avs fans who were like, "Hey, you're not a you're not a you're not an asshole." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm not an asshole." Um, 
<laughs> but uh, so so look, I appreciated AJ and and company for having me on. I, I actually had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, and you know I was pretty impressed with the product they put out. Like I, I thought it was a really cool look, and obviously they've got some sponsors, they've got some hustle. There's a producer behind the scenes. Um, they have a game show at the end too. JPAT. They play hockey hangman, um, ah, which I got okay. to participate in. So. You know, I was uh, I was pretty impressed with them. I thought they did a good job, and and I appreciated them having me on and and letting me make my case. Well, all good podcasts have uh, a strong producer <laughs> have a strong producer behind the scenes, isn't that the Indeed. way it works? I think that is how yeah, it goes. Yeah, absolutely, no, and none better than ours. Um, we've got two Jeffs for those of us who don't know, which makes it very confusing in our group text. It does when I call one of you Jeff and then have to add an initial like I'm in grade three. <laughs> yeah, well, hey. Uh, the more Jeffs, the merrier, or something. I think is the saying. Actually, how it, is how it <laughs> yes, goes. Right. Uh, Rick talk at the head coach. <laughs> Rick talk at the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. Joins Scott Burnside and Pierre LeBrun for two man advantage. Uh, plus, the guys get the NHL's return to play. The Hockey Hall of Fame. We didn't really get into that. Uh, the NHL draft lottery. We talked about all of that is posted at the Athletic. Uh, we got some good feedback, and we should thank Rick Dollywell again. Had some fun with him when he joined us. Uh, lots, oh. of, lots of people were like, "You got to do that again," and so uh, we certainly, we certainly will. Um, and <laughs> we we got to pick a format though where where you're more than referee next time. Like I, I I I did I did feel like you were like the ref in the middle of the scrum, like getting gloved sucker punches to, to the jaw we gotta we gotta we'll figure out a different format for next time for rick fair enough but the story behind the story there is i was having some technical difficulties i, I left the podcast a couple of times as well so <laughs> yeah i mean but again i thought you were just frustrated no i thought you were just like fuck these guys no 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 i would love to would love to got in there get the elbows up a little bit but uh, i was having some technical issues but uh, again producer jeff makes it all sound seamless in the finished product so uh uh, no harm, ever. no foul. Uh, but again, if uh, and, and so we thank everybody for listening and reaching out, uh, and we'll get Rick back. You know, he said he enjoyed it, uh, uh, and I think the, the listeners did as well. So uh, uh, it took us a while, but it won't be that long again until we get Rick Dollywell back no. on the podcast. In the meantime, check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app, and don't forget, rate and subscribe the VanCast. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash the VanCast, you'll get 40% off your subscription that's going to do it for this vancast uh, we'll reconvene early in the uh, next week and, and see what uh, the hockey world has for us by then we'll be that much closer to uh, the start of training camps if in fact they can get up and running uh, i've got some radio duties today i know you do as well so we're connecting here yeah, on the podcast i'm, gonna, I'm uh, gonna be on the radio for the draft lottery j pat there you go big moment in time it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a room one of my in a different room with Andrew Wadden instead of Francesco. Very quickly. <laughs> That's quite a difference. Uh, in, ba- yeah. in bank account, certainly. Uh, and some other <laughs> areas, too. But I will say, one of my favorite days in radio in the last bunch of years, like last five years, obviously, there hasn't been a lot of uh, glory days for the hockey team that I cover. But being on the air the day that the Oilers won the Connor McDavid draft lottery the rage on Vancouver radio the phone boards just melted down it was incredible and uh, it was a lot of fun to host uh, that day so I don't think we'll see that same visceral reaction tonight 
uh, there might be some people that are actually hoping for the Ottawa Senators uh, to see their card uh, come up uh, number one. We'll see how it all shakes down, but uh, we'll recap that next week. Uh, we'll have a better sense of if the Canucks are still alive in that draft lottery, depending on uh, those placeholders. So, uh, again, uh, have everybody to everybody have yourself a great weekend. Drancer, good stuff. Uh, I'll see you in the office later in the day, and we'll get back to doing another VanCast yeah. early next week. Look forward to it, bud. Thanks. There you go. For new answers, Jay Pat. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. This is the Vancast here, at the Athletic and the Athletic.com. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.